Thanks. Chris, thank you for leading us. Thanks for boldly stepping out. Thank you, worship team. I just want to, um, I'm not going to share what I prepared this morning. I'm going to share something else. But it's, I think it's apropos to borrow a word from Joel. <laughs> Love that word. It's apropos. It's relevant. It's appropriate. It's timely. Wasn't that beautiful? Wow. And, and thank you for bringing those words, for hearing the Lord, for being obedient, folks, and bringing those scriptures forth because that's what we do. We come together together to worship and to share the word. And usually that's done through a preach, you know, that Joel or I have prepared. And, um, and, but this morning, you guys brought the word. And uh, it's beautiful. It's sweet. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but just so you know, we do prepare sermons, don't we, Joel? We do. So I'm keen to get to this one another time. Um, but really, I, I, just during worship and as you were sharing the words there, and, um, and I was reminded again through the week, I thought I had this thought to go to the scripture, but then I didn't really fit with what I was preparing, but I'm going to go there now. It's the story uh, of Jesus uh, in the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, and he takes his disciples to um, Caesarea Philippi. And those of us who went on tour, we went to this place. Caesarea Philippi is a region uh, north of the Sea of Galilee, uh, maybe a day or so's walk north. It's, it's out there. And uh, in this place was basically shrines and temples and worship places built to foreign gods, to idols, basically. It was a place of darkness. It was a place of, of idol worship. And, um, and at that very place, Jesus gets his disciples together, gathers them around, and he asks them a simple question, who do people say I am? You guys have been with me for a while. You've heard the chatter on the street. Um, who do people say that I am? And you guys know the story. You know, they respond. Well, some say Elijah. You know, some say Moses. And uh, some say, you know, prophet. And Jesus says to them, but, but you guys, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And so I get the, the wording right. Let me just read this. Simon Peter replied, take note, it's Simon Peter. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And hear this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. I just want to zero in just this morning for a few moments on those two phrases. You are Peter, on this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Just 
just let those words sink in because this is a promise given to Peter as a representative of the disciples, of the followers of Jesus, of the early Jesus community, a promise given to him, a promise handed down, the authority handed down from apostle to apostle to apostle, disciple to disciple to disciple to us today, that upon the confession that he is the Christ, he is the Messiah, he is the living Son of God, he is the one who has come to change everything, to turn the world upside down, to restore us into right relationship with Father in heaven. Upon that confession, Jesus promises that he will build his church. He is still building his church. All across the world, he's building his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Here in this pagan place of idolatry where people are coming to worship other gods, people are engaging in, in occultism, the very gates of hell to be able to, it's right over there, guys. The gates of hell shall not prevail against this church that I'm building. And it struck me when we were there in Israel, no fanfare. You know, you just imagine Jesus, the rabbi from Nazareth, from Capernaum, with his followers, his ragtag followers. There's no fanfare, there's no trumpets, there's nothing announced. No one would have noticed this group, this conversation that was taking place right here in this Caesarea Philippi. But just casually, the Son of God, disguised as a rabbi, a teacher from Galilee, announces, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. That had a bit of a rhythm to it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Say that with me. The gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against my church and I will build it. Then he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of the heaven. Have you ever read that and gone, I wonder what they are? I have. What are they, Lord? What are the keys of the kingdom? What are the keys of the kingdom of heaven? Because he says... With that, he's given, you, he's given Peter authority <clears throat> to bind up stuff that's bound in heaven, to loose stuff that's loose in heaven. I give you authority. I give you the keys. What are the keys of the kingdom of heaven? And I've always thought, oh, maybe it's some special insight, some special revelatory knowledge. You know, maybe it's some special super spiritual gift, you know, that's only accessible to, to the few like Simon Peter the head of the church. Maybe it's some form of miraculous power that Peter will enact one one day in the future. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And I I think, I I suspect that we get a pretty good idea of what it is. (laughs) We get introduced to what it is when we see Peter enacting, flowing in it in Acts chapter 2. Last week, the day of Pentecost, we celebrated God meeting his people Israel at the mountain, instituting the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, Shavuot. That very same day when Jewish pilgrims from all over the world were gathering in Jerusalem to celebrate that festival, God in his sovereignty chose to show up in power. And in Acts chapter 2, we read of it, don't we? As they gathered in one place and suddenly a sound of a violent wind comes blowing in and and they all started speaking in strange tongues and what appeared like flames appeared on their their heads and and people were going, they're drunk. Peter stands up and says, no, 
We're not. It's only 9am. Give us till 10. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What you're seeing is not the evidence of drunkenness. It's what was promised. And he preaches from the book of Joel. Let me go to that. Hang on. I need to go to that too. I'm not going to read it all, but you guys get the picture. Peter preaches from the book of Joel, and then he picks it up. Let me pick it up from verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, know this, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Then he goes on to quote David from the Psalms. And in verse, uh, let me just read that. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. Some of your translations say see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. End quote. Peter continues preaching. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Okay? You get that? David, King David, our forefather, dead, buried, tomb is there. We can point to it. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption or decay. And get this, verse 32, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are witnesses. This Jesus, God raised up, and of that we are witnesses. Can I suggest to you this morning that, that the beginning or the part or maybe a big part of the keys, holding the keys to the kingdom of heaven, is declaring that this Jesus who was crucified and died and buried is now raised up. That his, the Holy One did not see decay. Jesus says to Peter in Caesarea Philippi, way before the disciples even get it, that he's going to be crucified and and rise again. They had no grid for that. Jesus is teasing him, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And, And I believe that the keys to the kingdom of heaven are available to us, all of us. And it's not some super spiritual gift. It's not some divine, like super revelatory knowledge that a lot of other people don't get. And if I work hard enough, I'll get it. It's simply this, Jesus Christ died, was buried and has raised again. He is raised back to life. But not only that, picking up the story, the, uh, it says that, verse 37, they had heard this. It says that the listeners were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, hear this, here's a couple more keys. Peter said to them, repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The keys to the kingdom of heaven, the death, the resurrection of Jesus declared, demonstrated, spoken, lived out in our very lives. The keys to the kingdom of heaven and an awareness of the need to repent, to turn from our selfish ways regularly, often, as often as is necessary. It ain't rocket science. It's pretty simple. It's a simple gospel. Repent. Be baptised. That marking in a believer's life when we identify with the death and resurrection of Jesus where we are proclaiming to all of earth and heaven that we are counting ourselves as one with Christ through the waters of baptism for the forgiveness of sins and what does he say? For the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's all there. It's all there. It's what we've been singing this morning. It's what we've been proclaiming. What a glorious day when I ran out of that grave. That's in the first person, that song, as we sung it this morning. Those of you who are in Israel will know this. this is an embarrassing thing I'm about to share, but we went to the garden tomb, as we do in the tour. We're only allowed in, I think, eight at a time into the, the garden tomb, and it's empty. You've been there, John, hey? It's empty. And as we were, as we were, as our turn to leave, I couldn't help it. I held welling up in me that song, Glorious Day. And I... And I Yelled it out as I jumped out of the tomb. I ran out of that grave. To the embarrassment of my fellow travellers and the annoyance of all the other contemplative worshippers and prayers in the garden tomb at the moment. And I had no idea that the sound would carry. But some, that is a key to the kingdom of heaven, guys. So I apologise, but I don't apologise because it was in the moment. And there was something, you know... When the Spirit fills us and we, it gets hold of us and sometimes we're going yeah, to make a scene or we're going to be a little bit embarrassing for Jesus. <sighs> we don't want to be embarrassing for Jesus. But when he, calls, he, when he causes us to be a fool for Christ, then okay. Reputation gone. Yep. It's a key to the kingdom of heaven. And, and as we are, we're willing to go there, I believe chains are broken off. People's shame, people's guilt, people's fear of what other people think. They're, they're broken off and it's like, wow, my attention is arrested. There's something. There's something on that person. There's something in that preaching. Peter, Peter, average Joe, fisherman from Galilee, impetuous, spontaneous, embarrassing Peter, now suddenly transformed, filled with the Holy Spirit and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He was dead. He was crucified. He was buried. But now God raised him up. He is alive. Boom, boom. Keys to the kingdom of heaven. What shall we do? Repent. Turn away. Turn to God. Forget that old life. Come. Know the ways of Jesus. Come and follow him. Repent and be baptized. Be counted as one of his followers. Be forgiven of your sins. No more shame. No more guilt. No more condemnation. Get all that junk out of your life. Be forgiven and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm preaching to the choir here, I know. I'm preaching to the choir. But, guys, this morning you guys were a bit sleepy as we came into worship this morning. I don't know if it's an overcast, rainy morning. Everyone's like, hmm. I ran out of that grave. 
I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, and to his glorious day, when you call my name, I ran out of that grave. I will build my church, Jesus says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. When we come to worship, we come to worship the Son of the living God, the King of heaven. He is worthy of all of our attention, all of our affection, all of our energy. Don't worry about that. <laughs> He's worthy of all that we've got when we come. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, come on count them out with me. Keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was crucified. He was buried. God raised him up. Repent. Be baptized. Be forgiven. Be filled. I don't think there's much more that needs to be said. That's the gospel. And we're people of this book, right? You've, you've just demonstrated that. You've just walked that out this morning. You've just heard the voice of the Lord, the spirit of the living God, with the word of God, through the people of God. And you've led us around the word today. This is our book. This is our life. When, when we leave this place, when we go into our jobs this week, when you go to university or school, when you go to your neighbourhood, it's no less powerful. It's, it's no less contagious. You may not be around a couple of hundred of fellow believers, but you've got the spirit of the living God living in within, within you. The spirit of God, with the word of God, through the people of God. So what's it going to look like for you? As you leave, power. What's it going to look like for you as you leave, as, as you go into places? Come on, shout it out. What's it going to look like for you? Authority. Freedom. Love. Victory. Hope. Peace. Joy. Boldness. Forgiveness. Long-suffering, no fear, fruitfulness, truth. You guys are preaching here. You're preaching. Gratitude, yeah. Persecution. Inheritance. Overcoming. Endurance. Identity, victory. I've had that. <laughs> Resurrection. Resurrection. I ran out of that grave. Christ's power is my power. Say that with me. Christ's power is my power. Say it again. Christ's power is my power. Just going to invite you to just be still for a moment. Tula brought that scripture from Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my, my thoughts, my anxious thoughts. 
see if there be any way in me that's evil or distracted, Lord, and lead me in the way everlasting. So let's just spend 30 seconds, a minute, just in quiet contemplation, asking the Lord, Lord, what's it going to look like for me? What does it look like for your power to live in and through me this week? Here we are, Lord, your family, your sons and your daughters. Lord, we hear those words of Jesus spoken over the Apostle John, Lord, the one whom Jesus loves. We hear them spoken over our own lives right now, Lord. And for any who are hard of hearing still, Father, may they hear. Help us to hear your voice. You are the disciple whom I love. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit, that we have been recipients of the most powerful force of love this world has ever seen, and it's your very Spirit, your very presence that lives in us. <sighs> Thank you, Lord, for that infilling, that refilling that you've already provided us, Lord, through worship this morning, through our dear sisters praying. Thank you, Lord, that that fruit of the Spirit, Lord, that we've been calling out so much of it, Lord, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, gentleness. Help me out, someone. Faithfulness, self-control. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that it's ours in abundance because of you. Ah, Lord, lead us, guide our steps. Infiltrate our conversations, Lord. Surprise us with your goodness as we're talking around the water cooler, as we're engaging in the halls, Lord, of our workplace, in our schools, in our universities, in our neighbourhoods. Show up, Lord, Holy Spirit, surprising ways, Lord God, and in the quiet ways as well. Quicken us, Lord God, to your thoughts and to your ways as we go, as we carry your life in us, Lord within us, mystery of mysteries. Oh, lead us in the way everlasting. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.